How are you doing? Ah, you know where we are? We're in Sunday school. Over these, uh, these weeks, we're, uh, we're looking at stories that many of us who went to Sunday school back in the day, we heard a lot of these stories. This morning, I actually want to talk about Joseph. These are true stories that happened through the Bible. Many of us learned them while we were coming to Sunday school. Uh, this morning, I want to talk about Joseph. Now, growing up, I must have heard this story at least a dozen times. And uh, it was always pretty much the same story. And there, there were several different takeaways from it. So it's, uh, it's going to be exciting, I think, to, to look at Joseph's life this morning and, and see what God intentionally gave for you and I. To See, he could have left this story out. Any number, he could have decided, you know, I'm, I'm not going to have these in, in the Bible. The writers of, of Scripture put all of these stories in because as generation came, one after the other, the stories and the things that happened in their lives, in the life of the nation of Israel, God's people, whether they were in Israel or they were in Egypt or wherever they were, sometimes in their land in freedom and sometimes in other lands, in bondage, and it was all because of the choices that they made, and God always reaching out to redeem his people. We're going to look at Joseph. Joseph was the son of Jacob, the father of the Jewish faith. Abraham, it's Isaac, and Jacob, and, and, and the father of our faith, and the lineage that Jesus Christ, our Savior, came from was from this specific family. I want to talk to, when you talk about Joseph, one of the main things that you talk about are dreams. Joseph had a dream that God gave to him. Now, we're all different. God clearly gave this dream to Joseph. I, I, you know, some, some of us, uh, I, I can, over the years, I can remember people saying, you know, God gave me a dream. And, and to be honest with you, but usually when I heard that, my head would kind of tilt to the right a little bit. One eye would close, and, and I would wonder what planet that person came from. See, and, and th that's kind of how I viewed it. When, but the reality is, God gives some people dreams. But a lot of us are kind of like me. I've never had one of those, you know? It's just not been the way that God has connected or communicated with me. But he does that sort of thing. And he did it here with Joseph. And he gave Joseph a dream. And I'll talk a little bit more about how that really relates to us who maybe have not had a dream kind of an experience with God. But he gave him a dream. And the interesting thing about dreams is that when dreams are conceived, it's a long time before they're actually achieved. And in the middle is this whole process. There's always a process in the middle. I'll talk about that a little bit this morning. And in that process in the middle, there are doubts. There are sometimes adversity. There are changes. There are surprises. As we look at Joseph's dream, that just becomes so evident. And Joseph has a dilemma. When that stuff all happens, Joseph's choice is, do I give up my dream or do I go on? 
And there are intersections uh, that Joseph comes to, and all, every single one of them, Joseph has that choice to make. It, it, do I give up on this because of what's going on, or do I keep on going? And Joseph would look you and I square in the face, and he would say, do not give up on your dream. The story of Joseph starts really in Scripture when he's about 17 years old is when it opens up to us. And God gives Joseph this dream. And what Joseph does with this dream is he goes right away and he tells it to his father and he tells it to his brother, which actually is probably not a good thing as we open this story up. He told this story to them. He ran, and, and let, me, let me start right away in chapter 37. And I'm going to walk through a whole bunch of this. We'll get up to a couple of chapters, and, and, and you'll really understand the story of Joseph. In chapter 37, it says this. There we go. Got to crank that thing a little faster. But when they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. That's a strange place to start, isn't it? Here's the reality. Joseph was spoiled. Joseph was a spoiled child. He was the young one out of many brothers. His dad favored him so much that his brothers couldn't stand him. Joseph was actually, at 17 years old, a cocky little twerp. He was that kind of brother. And his dad, his dad had a special coat made for him. It was like many, it was a lot of bright colors. And Joseph always wore this coat. And, and his brothers actually hated it because it was a visible symbol of the fact that their dad favored this kid over them by far. And, jo and so Joseph, Joseph's dad actually sends him out to go and see how his brothers are doing. They're out there watching all the cattle, and it's a nice little distance from where they live. And so as he's coming to meet them, they saw him in the distance. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Is there clarity here on how much they hated Joseph? They plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Go ahead. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of the cisterns. See, these cisterns, were, they were all, all over the area. They were places where water was collected and, 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 and held. And at this particular point in time, there happened to be no water in all of the cisterns. Let's throw him into one of the cisterns. We'll see what comes of his dreams. Then Reuben heard this. Reuben was one of Joseph's brothers. And Reuben was struggling with the idea that, that his other brothers wanted to kill him. He tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life. See, Reuben wanted to throw him in, and Reuben was going to come back later that night, get him out, and, and, and let him go. So Joseph came to his brothers. They stripped him of his robe, and they took him, and they threw him into the cistern. And as they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and they saw a caravan of Midianites coming from Gilead. And they were on their way to Egypt. And his brothers pulled Joseph out of the cistern and they sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. Joseph goes to Egypt 
And Joseph is sold by this caravan as a slave. His brothers sold him into slavery. Some of you wonder if your brothers or sisters have that kind of potential, huh? They sold him into slavery. Joseph, found, Joseph was purchased by Potiphar. Potiphar was in charge of all of Pharaoh. He was the captain of the guards. Potiphar was, uh, was basically almost number two in charge at that point. He, he was in charge of all of the, the uh, king's um, soldiers. Joseph found favor in his eyes. He bought Joseph as a slave. Joseph now became Potiphar's servant. And he found favor in Potiphar's eyes and he became his attendant. He put him in charge of his household and all that he owned. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. Potiphar actually put Joseph in charge of everything in his entire household. The Bible says that the only thing Potiphar took care of himself was what he was going to eat. Joseph was in charge of all of his servants, of everything else that he owned. Now, Joseph was well built and handsome. And when you see this line, you know that something's coming. Joseph was well built and he was handsome. And after a while... After a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. This cougar wanted Joseph. <laughs> and though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. This chick was after him day after day after day after day. And his integrity and his character and his commitment to God, he would not cross that line. But there was a day that nobody else was around. And that's when this happened. And she grabs him and she, she does her best to convince him. And Joseph does, as a matter of fact, when most pastors talk about the topic of temptation, they always repoint to this passage of scripture with Joseph. Because Joseph did the best possible thing you can do with temptation. It says he, he ran. He, he, he didn't say, well, let me... He, he turned around and he ran. Because unless you turn around and run, you don't stand a chance. And so she grabbed him and he ran, but he left his cloak behind. And so she had his cloak. And so what she did was when the servants came back, she turned the story around and said, this, this, Joseph, my master's servant, tried to take advantage of me. Look, here's his cloak. And then when, when Potiphar came back, she told Potiphar the same story. And then Joseph's master took him, put him in a prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Little thought here. Bible scholars will tell you that while this is the story, there is actually a backstory. And the backstory here is the reality that if, if a servant had taken advantage of his master's wife 
anywhere at all in the king's court or the king's leadership, that person would have been put to death right away. If Joseph were accused of this, which he was, the normal procedure, and there wouldn't even be questions, he would have been put to death. The reason that did not happen is because Potiphar knew that his wife had an issue. Deep down inside, Potiphar knew that what really happened may not be what was said to have happened. And that's why Joseph is thrown in jail and not put to death immediately. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. And he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. God took care of Joseph, Joseph's responses over and over again. And as the story goes on, the warden put Joseph in charge of all of those who were held in prison. See, God's favor was on him. There was real clarity. And the warden puts him in charge of everyone in the prison. And so Joseph is in charge. What kind of jail is it where the warden puts a prisoner in charge of all the other prisoners? When God's blessing is on your life, it's obvious to everyone. This story just continues to unroll. In Genesis chapter 40, in Genesis 40, what happens is the king, something happens, and we're not told in Scripture what it is. By the way, you have, there are so many things in this story that I'm leaving out. You have got to open up your Bible this afternoon or this evening and read the entire story of Joseph. There are details in there that you need to read about. And I, I would encourage you to do it soon. Do it, do it today. Do it tonight. Take, take advantage of taking this story in a complete way and planning it in your thought process. The king, something happens in the king. We don't know what it is. The Bible doesn't tell us. But the king actually takes his cupbearer, which is his butler, and his baker, and he throws them in his prison. And so they come into the prison, and they're in the prison while Joseph's in there. And then the, the baker and the cupmaker, they both have dreams. And they come to Joseph, and then they ask him what those dreams mean. And Joseph actually reveals to each of them what their dream means. And, and to, to the butler, to the cupbearer, who, who who's, we refer to him as a butler, to the cupbearer, he says, listen, it's, it's kind of good for you. In three days, the Pharaoh is actually going to restore you to your position. He's going to put you right back where you were. And you will once again be serving the king and be at his right hand all the time. Everything will be fine with you. But to the baker, he said, you know, your dream means something else, and it's, it's not so good. In three days, you're, you're actually going to lose your life. And I won't tell you how. You've got to read the story to hear. It's pretty gruesome how, how he's going to lose his life. And all these things happen. And Joseph, he says to the butler, he says, listen, this is what's going to happen. You're, you're going to be restored to your position. But when you do, please mention me to the king. Mention to the king uh, uh, that I'm here and, and that I revealed this to you. J just, just do me that one favor. And he forgets. He forgets to mention about Joseph. 
The problem with that is it's two more years before anything happens because he forgot. And in chapter 41, Pharaoh has a dream. And Pharaoh is troubled by this dream. And, over, and he, brings in his, he brings in all of his counselors. He, he brings in magicians. He brings in all sorts of people to figure out this dream. And nobody can help him with the dream. And then the butler says, you know what? When I was in jail, I had a dream. And he tells the king the whole story. And so the king says, send Joseph to me. He, he, he asks for Joseph. Joseph comes before the king. The king shares his dreams with Joseph. And Joseph reveals to the king the meaning of his dreams. Joseph says, listen, here's what's going to happen. For Egypt and the surrounding nations, there are going to be seven years of absolute prosperity. Crops are going to grow like they've never grown before. It's going to be amazing for seven years straight. But then there are going to be seven years of drought Seven years of famine. Seven years of an extremely difficult time, not just for Egypt, but for the nations around. This whole region is going to be saddled with this drought. So make sure, David continues to lay out, he says, make sure that you put someone in charge of handling those first seven years so that when the second seven years come, Everyone in your nation and the surrounding will be able to survive it because otherwise they will not survive. And Joseph lays this out and the king gets together his leadership and his council and says, who should we put in charge? And the, the ultimate, what comes out of that whole meaning is, well, David, I, I mean, Joseph obviously is the one who has the wisdom and God's blessing on him. Let's just put, why not put Joseph in charge? And so Pharaoh puts Joseph in charge of this whole process. And the nation just does amazing through the whole time. Famine hits, and it's just a difficult time for the nation. And the nation, there are people all around are hearing that there's food in Egypt when they are all running out of food. And Joseph's brothers and Joseph's father hear that in Egypt there's food available to buy. And Joseph's father sends his brothers, sends his sons who are Joseph's brothers to Egypt to buy some food. And they come to buy some food. And Joseph happens to come in and he sees his brothers coming in to buy food. And Joseph does not let them know that he recognizes them. And he tells the people serving, he says, listen, sell them, the, and sell them whatever food they want. But then he gives some additional information. Joseph starts to mess with them. And he doesn't do it in a malicious way, but he does it in a pretty slick way. You've got to read the story. I, don't, I just can't. It's, 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 it's involved. He, he actually puts, you see, when, they're, when, they're, when their sacks are packed up with their grain, he actually puts silver back in their grains. And, and he, he goes through this whole thing. And you've got you to read the story. But the long and the short of this whole story is, is Joseph. His whole family is saved. His father is brought back. Joseph is restored with his brothers. I'll, I'll talk about that in, ju in just a few minutes. And Joseph's dream actually becomes realized. 
And if you're taking notes this morning, Joseph would look you square in the eye and he would say, don't ever give up on your dream. But James, I don't feel like I have any dream from God. I, I get that. I, I'm in that category. And maybe God has given you a dream. Maybe, maybe God's dream for you is to launch a business. Maybe God's dream for you is to build a unique family like, like no one has ever seen before. Maybe you want 10 kids and that's God's dream for you. But for many of us, God's dream for us is our very walk through life with him. That's his dream. That's his plan and his purpose for us. And he took Joseph from where he was, a cocky little twerp, and by the end he was a totally different person. And at that point, he was able to do the things that God had for him to do. This process in between is the big deal. And it's the very process that God uses in Joseph's life. Joseph would say, don't ever give up on your dream, even if you get off to a bad start. Even if you didn't get off to a good start. So often that happens in our lives. At 17 years old, he tells his brother and his father the dream. And his father says, what, are you kidding me? You're telling, you're my, you're, you little twerp, you're telling me that your mom and I and your brothers are all going to bow down to you because that's what Joseph says. That's what the dream was. God's intent was not necessarily for Joseph to share his dream in the way that he did. John Maxwell puts it this way. Maxwell says, the beginning of a dream often generates more enthusiasm than wisdom. How many of us know that early on in life when we went out to do something, we, we had a lot of enthusiasm, but it wasn't tempered by the wisdom that was needed to really bring it to success and to fr and fruition. We often start off like Joseph, not doing so well at the start. His brothers absolutely hated him. But unlike Joseph, guys, we often give up way too soon. We give up when our dreams are frail and not even ready to be stepped into. What, what is my dream? What is it God wants to do with my life? God's plan and God's purpose for my life is my dream. What is it he wants to accomplish through my life? That's my dream. Maybe there's a business that, that you know that God has, has, has for you to build, and it's been your dream, and you just keep backing away from it. Maybe there's a ministry that you want to get involved in, but you just keep not being willing to step into it. Joseph would say, don't give up, even if it didn't get off to a good start. How many times in life do we not get off to a good start? He's a slave in a distant country. Don't give up on your dream, he said, even if it starts rocky. The second thing he says, don't give up on your dream, even if no one else supports it. In Joseph's lives, his, his father and his brothers, his family, they did not support. His brothers actually wanted to kill him. And yet Joseph does not give up on his dream. God has given him a dream. And even though 
It starts out messy. And his family thinks that, and for good reasons, thinks that there's just no way that this ought to be happening. Whatever area. You know, for, it's interesting for me. I, it's like I never felt like I, I had a dream that God had for my life. But early on in life, um, in, in the band, the group that I was in, we, we started in New York, and we just started with three guys, and, and we, just, we just began to grow and, grow and travel more and more, and soon we were traveling up and down the East Coast, and then out to Chicago and back, and, and then, we, then we bought a bus, and we just kept growing and growing and growing in what we were doing, and my thinking was, this is what I want to do. I, I, I want to, musically, I want to travel with, with a band, and I want to, that's how I want to share the gospel. And in a sense, that was kind of part of a dream for a part of my life. But then there came a point where I just felt like, you know what, it's now a new season, and, and, I, and I let go of that. And then from that point, from, from that point there until about 2000, when Karen and I came out here to Arizona, my life was different than that. I, I served all the time. I was involved in church. I was, did, did all, but, but it was just different than that. Joseph would say, don't give up on your dream. His whole family was saying, no way. It's hard to pursue your dream when your family wants, wants you to let it go. When your dream comes from God. This is so important. When your dream comes from God, and Joseph knew this, the dream holds you even when you are unable to hold the dream. Because when God is doing something in your life, when we are, you know when God does things in our lives? When we are simply obedient to things that he asks us to do. When God is doing something in your life, it, it doesn't fall off easily. The dream will hold you even when you're unable to hold the dream. Joseph would look you and I square in the face and he'd say, don't give up on your dream even though life is full of surprises. Talk about surprises. His brothers wanted to kill him. They threw him in a cistern. Then they pulled him out of the system, sold him into slavery. He was in slavery, and then he was in jail. Talk about life surprises. And then from jail, he becomes second in charge in the whole kingdom of Egypt. Only Pharaoh is above Joseph at the end of this story. And God fulfills the dream. He was misunderstood by his family, sold into slavery by his brothers. He's now living in a strange country. He's in Potiphar's house in charge of everything, and he's wrongfully accused by this cougar, and then he's put in prison. And then the, the warden recognizes God's favors on him, and so he's put in charge of the prison. And then he's forgotten about by the chief butler, and he's in prison for two years before the butler remembers, and then he reveals Pharaoh's dream and becomes second command in Egypt. That is the story of Joseph. When even Joseph would say, don't give up on your dream. 
See, even when his dream made no sense to Joseph, it made sense to God. Because God was the one who gave him the dream. God is the one who has given you eternal life. God is the one who has given you a plan and a purpose. He has a plan and a purpose for your life, and he wants to unfold it while, by, by us simply obeying the things he asks us to do. God is too good to be unkind. He's too wise to be confused. And when we can't see the, his hand in our lives, we know that we can trust his heart. It's who he is. Joseph would say, don't give up on your dream. Even when life's surprises get thrown up at you. And so many of us in this room could say, the surprises in life that have come at me have taken away my dream. Joseph would say, don't do it. There are so many times through Scripture, as I go through stories in the Bible, that it's so clear that God allows a dream to die. He allows a dream to die only to revive the dream later on in life in a way that it can only be accomplished when we allow him to work through our lives. And then he fulfills the dream. Joseph would say, don't give up on a dream, even if it takes a long time to reveal it. Even if it takes years and years, don't give up on a dream. Some of us have had dreams of where God wanted our lives, of what God wanted to do in our lives, or, 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 or how he wanted our lives to go, and, and we've actually given up on that. I got to tell you something. You may have given up on it. That does not mean that God has given up on it. Last night, I spent so much time with this message last night. There were twists and turns that came into this message last night, even though it had been, I'd finished it long before. I sat down and I did some math. See, Joseph, there were 23 years between the time that he had the dream and God fulfilled the dream. I sat down and I figured out when I had stopped singing, feeling like God has another season for my life. And, and then in the year 2000, roughly, when Karen and I came here, and there were 23 years in that time span. And God has accomplished so many of the things while we've been here that I had thought for years were never going to be a part of what God was doing. And yet, he, no thought in my mind whatsoever, and yet God continues to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. Don't give up, even if it takes, Joseph says, would say, a long time to realize. And Joseph is reunited with his family. He's reconciled with his brothers. He now is ruling over all of the area. Joseph now is in a place where his heart is full of compassion. 
He's not this cocky little twerp anymore. So much in life has changed who he is, and he's now ready to accomplish the things that God has placed in this, this dream in his life. Joseph would look at you and I and say, when you're in the middle of your journey, never give up on your dream. Never give up on the process that God is doing in your life. Joseph would turn to you and I, and he would encourage us with his words. He'd say, God is always with you. Never give up because God is always with you. He was with me in the cistern, Joseph would say. He was with me when my brothers sold me into slavery. I was sold as a slave. He was with me when I was thrown in jail. And he was with me now as number two in Egypt. Only Pharaoh... Only the king, the ruler, was above Joseph. In Genesis 29, while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness, granted him favor in the eyes of the warden. While he was in jail, it was so obvious to everyone that God's blessing was on Joseph's life. Joseph would look you and I square in the eye and he'd say, Develop yourself during the downtime. Develop yourself during the downtime. You know, in the downtime, we're just so tempted to complain. You know what complaining will get you? Nothing. It'll get you absolutely nothing. If you're down, let it make you better. Let it make your life better. Joseph let the downtime make him better better. And God's favor was on him. Are you in trouble? Are you in a situation that's, that's nothing but trouble? Learn something new from that situation. Are, are you in a place where, 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 where you just feel like it's one of those bad places in life? Over and over again, Joseph had to feel that. And yet, in the downtime, for me, years and years of recognizing that, you know what? While I may not be doing this anymore, I need to be doing something. And I spent years, and in one church over 20 years, just serving. I was a part of the, the singing team, but for over, over 10 years, I was in the sound booth. By the way, the people in that booth... Why don't you give them a hand for what they do every Sunday? You, you can't even imagine what they make happen back there in that sound booth. And it's not just sound. It's everything that they do technically. It's a big deal. In the downtime, doing something. Serving. Giving. Being engaged taking that time, Joseph in jail or as a slave, no matter what it was, he took advantage of the downtime. And the third thing Joseph would say and encourage you and I, he'd say, listen, self-promotion can never replace divine promotion. Self-promotion, he started out trying to promote himself. It was nothing but a problem. Self-promotion only got Joseph in trouble. The only thing I can say about self-promotion is it's unattractive. 
It is just flat out unattractive. When I try to promote myself, it always works against me. Don't promote yourself, he'd say. And then he would say, when the dream becomes reality, it is always better than you ever dreamed. When God fulfills in your life and in my life what he wants to fulfill, and there will be moments that that is realized. And there will be so many moments that are never realized. You and I will never know the some of the things that God accomplishes through our lives. You may invite one person to church, and that person finds Jesus as their Savior. And God not only changes their life, but changes eternity for them. And then through them, he reaches a whole, you and I have no idea. We may not know until we, we are sitting in heaven what our lives has, have accomplished, what God has done through our lives. When the dream is God-given, the fulfillment is well worth the wait. Joseph, when he's talking with his brothers and he finally couldn't take it no longer, he breaks down, he leaves the room, he starts crying, he's broken by the fact that he is reunited with his brothers and they don't even know him. And then a little bit later on, when he's talking to his brothers, look what he says. In, in, it says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And guys, that's your story, and that is my story, because what God is doing for your life and through my life, and you, listen, we together, we are in this process of him doing this in our lives. Joseph would look you square in the face and he'd say, keep on going. Don't slow down. Don't stop. Keep on going. No matter what's going on, you, think, you, you might think, well, James, I, I really messed up and, I, and, I, and my life is a disaster right now or I've messed up. No, no, no. See, God, the creator who designed you and created you, knew ahead of time before you were born that you were going to screw up. And he said, that's okay, because my grace weaves that into part of what I'm going to do in your life. And not only, not only is it going to be okay, but I'm actually going to take that in your life and I'm going to use it. Guys, I say this over and over again, because he does this, and he does it over and over in all of our lives. His mercy and his grace and his love wraps around us, and he changes us from who we are when we met him to who he wants us to be. And this is the process. This is the big dream. It's what he's doing in the lives of all of us, his children. And if somebody's hurt us, look at Joseph. You intended to harm me. It's okay. And Joseph could say, I've been through hell and high water. But it's okay. Because God is using it for my good and for his glory. Joseph would say, God is always with you. And in the downtime, develop yourself. Because the joy is in the journey.
Joseph would say, you know what? That journey made me wiser. It made me more humble. I'm not cocky anymore. I'm humble. In other words, I don't think less of myself. I think of myself less. And Joseph would say, I've had amazing experiences. I didn't want a lot of them, but I've had amazing experiences. And God took him to the point where his dream was fulfilled. Stand with me this morning because that's God's plan for every one of our lives. He wants to fulfill through our lives what he wants to fulfill. And the way he does it is by us being simply willing to say, okay. By us being willing to be obedient. There, as followers of Christ, there are things he asks us to do. We talk about them here at Camelback. He asks us to get involved in a life group. Connect with each other. We do it here through life groups. We, we, all, we become part of a small group and we meet and we have a great time together. He, he asks us to, to serve and all, everything on this campus happens because so many of us are serving. He asks us to give. In other words, he says, your finances, you, you, you get 100% of your finances and God says, you know what I want you to do? Just give me back 10%. And if you are willing to obey me, give me back 10%. And by the way, everything happens on our campus because we are givers. But you give me back 10%, and I will take that 90%, and I will blow your mind by the way I bless you. I, I wouldn't do it this way, but this is the way God chooses to do it. Watching him do it is fascinating. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you did not leave this part of history out of your word. That we together, that we are able to read the story of Joseph and that our lives can have direction and blessing. Thank you for doing that in our lives. Thank you for doing that here in our church family. Let me just say one other thing. Really, with every head bowed, every eye closed. See, we meet here because we just believe that Jesus is who he says he is. We believe that he's the Son of God, that he came in the form of a baby, just like the Bible tells us. And he laid his life down. He let them nail him to a cross. They put him in a grave, and on the third day, he rose from the dead. And it was clear to everyone that the resurrection of Jesus Christ changed everything. It was clear that he was the son of God and he paid the price for the sins of mankind on a personal level, your sins and my sins. And the Bible says we're all sinners. We all make mistakes. But believing that Jesus paid the debt for those sins actually takes you from a place of being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive. When we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he died for our sins, we actually become his children. We actually become a part of his family. But that only happens by a choice. You, you, you were born into your natural family. You had nothing to say about it. But to be a part of his family, you actually have to choose to believe 
that that's who he is and that's what he did. If you've never done that this morning and you'd like to do that this morning, you'd like eternity change. When we do that, we, we automatically become a part of his family. We automatically will spend eternity with him in heaven. If you've never done that and you'd like to do that this morning, simply by believing that, I would encourage you to do it this morning. And just for my sake, would you just simply put your hand up and put it back down saying, yep, James, I want to believe that. Yes, 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 yes. Lord, thank you for the work that you're doing here this morning. Thank you, Father, this morning that eight people have been taken from the jaws of hell and placed in the eternity with you in heaven when we leave this planet. But Father, even, even more, as big as that is, that the rest of their life here, they're your children and your plan and your purpose. We pray, God, that it just continue to unfold in their life as they begin following you and they are a part of our family. Lord, thank you this morning for what you've done. And we celebrate it. And if that's you this morning, I'd encourage you as you leave here, tell somebody. After the service, our prayer team be up here. We'd love to pray with anyone about anything. Father, thank you, Lord, for what you've done here this morning. Bless us as we continue to worship you, as we serve you, and bless our day. And Father, bless the cardinals even though we have no idea what's going on. In your name we pray. Amen.